Remember, two of those who get the discs burned and passed to them can get to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1, P3E, 4, N1. And... And remember, too, I also get problems once in a while uploading because ExploreNet, that great high-speed con man in the sky, the satellite guy, um, takes the cash but punishes you if you use the so-called service you're paying through the nose for. So once in a while I'm late. Actually, it's every day now. I have to upload two days for every one night. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix, talking about the gathering of the big powers and how literally they've gone to such an incredible length throughout uh, since, since the 1990s and onwards about the global warming, something they planned to bring in back in the 1970s, according to the guys that dreamed up the idea at the Club of Rome, and they printed that in their own book called The, the First Global Revolution. They came up with the idea, but in the 90s, that's when the grant money started to be given to them, funneled to them, to the big professors at universities, uh, to, to, to go along with this. You must get names, well-known names, professionals, you see, in the field to con the public. And that's not a new idea, because you find that Bernays, Edward Bernays, that really created, took the credit for creating the consumer society in America, he came up with that idea of getting important people, professionals in their field, even setting up um, front colleges for them. And they'd all come into this supposed college. Sometimes they make a real little one, even a, a storefront would do, uh, the, the association of blah, blah, blah. And then they would then get articles published in magazines and newspapers this little clique of so-called professionals who are all simply on the payroll and often didn't even attend any debates. They simply put their name to it and said, go ahead, write what you want and use my name. And they got well, well paid for doing so. But it's interesting to do with this climate gate scandal now that uh, so many of the private emails between the different um, uh, leeches that are living off these massive grants uh, has been exposed to the public. It's interesting to see how, that uh, a lot of the mainstream media, is, as I said it would happen, is pretending it never, nothing happened at all. Because it's so close to their deadline now, they're counting on everyone turning up. All the, in fact, all the students that go to these particular universities where the professors get the big grant monies uh, have been advised in the emails that were released to the public they were advised to go to this Copenhagen meeting to all uh, put in their two cents worth and, and demand that something be done. Now, this is a political movement, not a scientific movement, and that's the key to it all. There's a political and an economic agenda here as well, because everything from then on, once that thing is signed, uh, is going to be entirely different, a completely entirely different new way of living. And it's interesting, too, I've got, the, I've got the link for this as well, to do with the grants that some of these professors mentioned in emails got. And the Professor Jones, for instance, that seems to be one of the ringleaders, 
uh, and no wonder they all obeyed him because his personal grants from 1990 onwards was 13.7 million pounds, about 27 million dollars. So you can see he's definitely got a motive for pushing this rubbish, because otherwise, uh, where would he be without all this uh, created crisis? All these professors would be in, in, the, back, uh, in the back of some university uh, with hardly any students attending at all. Now it's big business, you see, big, big business. And it's going to be run like the Communist Party. Believe you me, uh, it has so much in common with how communists uh, worked their big campaigns that it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that Professor Carol Quigley said that the Royal Institute for International Affairs, dash CFR, were often mistaken for, for communists because their policies seemed to go in the same direction. Well, they went in the same direction because the big bankers that started off the Royal Institute for International Affairs from the Milner Group were all bankers at the top in the beginning. They were all international bankers who funded communism into existence. Same names, same names, and that's history, not conjecture. So, here's an article here from, it's interesting, it's Pajamas Media, it's called, it's quite interesting. And everyone knows the name of Lord Monckton, who did the, the video, I'll put the link up again, um, discussing in the US what was coming down the pike when, if this uh, Copenhagen Treaty goes through, and pretty well it will go through, because two men, as I say, the big boys, the big boys that presently run the world's finances have staked everything on this passing. Everything. It's to be a whole new economy based on energy usage and carbon. A whole new economy. And it's to go through the Rothschilds Bank in Switzerland too. Isn't that amazing? I read the articles from the mainstream from Rothschild himself, advising them to put it through this particular bank, all these carbon credits. What a clique at the top, eh? What a clique. Creating a belief system for a new age, that's what it's all about. But Pajamas Media says this, Viscount Moncton on Climate Gates, he says they're criminals. The man who challenged Al Gore to debate and was refused by Gore, of course, is furious about the content of the leaked CRU emails and says why you should be too. November 23rd, 2009. This is what they did, these climate scientists on whose unsupported word the world's class politique supposes to set up an unelected global government this December in Copenhagen with vast and unprecedented powers to control all formerly free markets, to tax wealthy nations and all of their financial transactions, to regulate the economic and environmental affairs of all nations and to confiscate and extinguish all patent and intellectual property rights. The tiny close-knit clique of climate scientists who invented and now drive the global warming fraud, for fraud is what we now know it to be, tampered with temperature data so assiduously that on the recent admission of one of them, Land temperatures since 1980 have risen twice as fast as ocean temperatures. One of the thousands of emails recently circulated by a whistleblower at the University of East Anglia, where one of the world's four global temperature data sets is compiled, reveals that data were altered so as to prevent a recent decline in temperature from showing in the record. They actually did that. Anything that went against this new ideology was simply obliterated 
And so were thousands and thousands of scientists who said it was all bogus science. In fact, it says there has been no statistically significant global warming for 15 years and there has been rapid and significant cooling for nine years. Worse, these arrogant fraudsters, for fraudsters are what we now know them to be, have refused for years and years and years to reveal their data and their computer program listings. Now we know why. As a revealing 15,000-line document from the Computer Division at the Climate Research Unit shows, the programs and data are a hopeless, tangled mess. In effect, the global temperature trends have simply been made up. Unfortunately, the British researchers have been acting closely in league with their U.S. counterparts in their universities, you see, who compile the other terrestrial temperature data set, the GISS-NCDC data set. That data set, too, contains numerous biases intended artificially to inflate the natural warming of the 20th century. Finally, these huckstering snake oil salesmen and global warming profiteers, for that is what they are, have written to each other encouraging the destruction of data that had been lawfully requested under the Freedom of Information Act in the UK by scientists who wanted to check where the global temperature records have been properly compiled. So this is other scientists, right? And that procurement of data destruction, as they're about to find out to their cost, is a criminal offense. They destroyed the data. They're not merely bad scientists, they are crooks, and crooks who have perpetuated their crimes at the expense of British and US taxpayers. He says, I am angry and so should you be too. And then he goes on to a second page. It's, 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 it says it all, but that's, it says what we all know, those who have been following this. <clears throat> it says, what have the mainstream news media said about the climate gate affair? Remarkably little. The few who have brought up themselves uh, to comment through gritted teeth, because they've all been pushing it, right? All the media's been pushing this rubbish, global warming, have said that all of this is a storm in a teacup, and that their friends at the University of East Anglia and elsewhere on the climatological community are good people, really. Good people, really. No, they're not, it says. They're criminals with Professor Fred Singer, who founded the U.S. Satellite Weather Service. I've reported them to the U.K.'s Information Commissioner with a request that he investigates their offences and, if thought fit, prosecute. But I won't be holding my breath in the police state that Britain has now sadly become... I'll repeat that part for the harder thinking. In the police state that Britain has now sadly become, with supine news media largely owned and controlled by the government, the establishment tends to look after its own, at our expense and the expense of the truth. So well said. Well said indeed. And then we have another one here, and this is from the Telegraph. Uh, says here, Lord Lawson, he's another British lord, calls for a public inquiry into the UEA, that's the University of East Anglia, it was one of the, the centres for all the, this uh, data collection and con men, where they gathered and kept all their data. It's just a call for inquiry into the UEA global warming data manipulation. Lord Lawson, the former Chancellor, that's like uh, in charge of the, the, the uh, the, the Treasury, basically, has called for an independent inquiry into claims that the leading climate change scientists manipulated data to strengthen the case for man-made global warming. And this is from the November uh, 23rd, 2009. 
thousands of emails and documents stolen from the University of East Anglia and posted online indicate that researchers massaged figures, massaged is quite putting it lightly, but that's the politeness of some of the British, to mask the fact that world temperatures have been declining in recent years. This morning, Lord Lawson, who's reinvented himself, they're not happy with this guy, he reinvented himself as a prominent climate change sceptic since leaving the frontline politics, demanded that the apparent deception be fully investigated. He claimed that the credibility of the university's world-renowned climatic research unit and British science were under threat. They should set up a public inquiry under someone who's totally respected and get to the truth, he told the BBC Radio 4 Today programme. If there's an explanation for what's going on, they can make that explanation. So I'll read some more of this uh, after this break when I come back. So hold on. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, reading from an article from The Telegraph uh, that uh, Lord Lawson uh, has uh, put in there. Uh, He's basically calling for inquiry into this con game of global warming and all the fudged figures that the scientists present to the public and to the the, the IPCC at the United Nations uh, to get this whole agenda through, this whole, and make themselves even more important, these new high priests, everybody will be running to them. Oh, what will we do now? What do you predict? What do you pre-? Just like they used to do in the Middle Ages, you know. Every, every royal court had their professional astrologer, and, it, and the kings and queens would make a move until these characters came forward to read the charts. It's the same con game that's going on, very, very lucrative, incredibly lucrative. But to continue this article, he says, some of the correspondence indicates that the manipulation of data was widespread amongst global warming researchers. One of the emails under scrutiny, written by Phil Jones, that's the guy that's raked in 13.7 million pounds or $27 million since the 90s. The center's director in 1999 reads, I've just completed Mike's Nature, uh, which is a science journal. Uh, it makes nature trick of adding in the real temperatures to each series for the last 20 years, that is from 1981 onwards, and from 1961 for Keith's to hide the decline, to hide the decline, that means to hide the falling temperatures, not the rising temperatures. This is a guy who is one of the ringleaders in all this, incredibly well-funded from all the right people in the foundations that will be in charge of your lives from now on once this Copenhagen Treaty goes through. Such a Professor Jones has insisted that he used the word trick to mean a clever thing to do, I'd say is clever, eh? rather than to indicate deception. He's denied manipulating the data, even though it says to hide the decline. <laughs> Another scientist whose name appears in the documents accused the hackers of attempting to undermine the drive for a global consensus at next month's Copenhagen summit. And that's again was in all these emails telling thousands of students to attend it and to all tell the people who are involved to vote yes, to pass it. That's political. This is a political movement, not a scientific movement. Kevin Trenbeth of, of the U.S. National Center for Atmospheric Research accused climate change skeptics 
of cherry-picking the documents and taking them out of context. Of course he would. Meanwhile, hopes that a legally binding treaty on cutting emissions will be agreed to at Copenhagen have been boosted by the news that more than 60 world leaders plan to attend. They only attend regardless because, as I say, they're bosses. If you think these are your world leaders, think again. They have bosses. They've got the same bosses as these scientists have got. And we don't elect these bosses. Since last week, Lord Lawson, who served as Chancellor for six years under Margaret Thatcher, told the Daily Telegraph that he planned to establish a think tank to challenge the consensus that drastic action is needed to combat global warming. And I'll tell you, it takes more than a think tank. It takes more than a think tank to stop this. Because, as I say, the big boys have put all their eggs in one basket. A whole new economy, a whole new way of life, and literally going along eventually to the right to decide who is going to have children and who will not have children and how many children are enough for a whole nation. What I'm saying here is not conjecture because for the League of Nations, the precursor of the United Nations was started up. They had the same Department for Population Control and they were far more blatant about the need for eugenical control than all the nations of the world. By themselves, of course, because after all, they're the professionals. They're brighter than we are. You see, that's the standard pablum of tyranny and, uh, and tyrants. In old days, I preferred the old-type Roman tyrant who stood there and strutted around, kind of like Mussolini, and you knew what he was. These characters hide behind science and bogus science, etc., to get what they want. But they still strut around, though. Now they've got a big stage for the world. That they are the, the high, white-coated priests of the greening agenda and the eugenics agenda. There's also a good spoof article here, uh, written almost like a, a zoologist would go in and study animals, and it's from the uh, it's called Iowa, uh, Iowa Hawk Geographic, the secret life of climate researchers. And they talk as though you're going in there to, to find these characters, where they live in their little environments and, and how they get their grants. They live off something called grant money. Big, big grant money. But I'll put this link up and you'll get a, quite a chuckle when you go through it for yourself. It's, um, it's quite fascinating. The, Globe, the Washington Times at least put something in about this too. This, uh, this farce of these liars at the top they're conning a whole world into a political agenda. An old political agenda, by the way. And this is from Tuesday, November the 24th. This is editorial, Hiding Evidence of Global Cooling. Scientific progress depends on accurate and complete data. It also relies on replication. The past couple of days have uncovered some shocking revelations about the baloney practices that pass as sound science and about climate change. It was announced Thursday afternoon that computer hackers had obtained 160 megabytes of emails from the Climate Research Unit, the CRU, at the University of East Anglia in England. And now I'll read some more of this when I come back from this break. It's quite fascinating.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. This is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading one of many articles about uh, uh, this uh, revelation about global scamming, the warming uh, nonsense that's been um, perpetrated by all these con men, these big scientists that are well funded by foundations and bankers to bring in a new world society according to their data, you see. That's what it's all about, this Copenhagen Treaty. And all the politicians at the top are on board with this agenda. That's why they were picked at this particular time in history, every single one of them. But to continue with this article from the Washington Times, it says, It was announced Thursday afternoon that computer hackers had obtained 160 megabytes of emails from the Climate Research Unit at the University of East Anglia, the UEA, in England, those emails involved communication among many scientific researchers and policy advocates with similar ideological positions all across the world. It's well worded, their ideological positions, not factual. Uh, those purported authorities were brazenly discussing the, the destruction and hiding of data that did not support global warming claims. Professor Phil Jones, this is a guy on 13.7 uh, million pounds grants, the head of the Climate Research Unit and Professor Michael E. Mann at Pennsylvania State University, who had been an important scientist in the climate debate, have come under particular scrutiny. Amongst his emails, Mr. Jones talked to Mr. Mann about the trick of adding in the real temperatures to each series to hide the decline in temperature. Mr. Mann admitted that he was party to this conversation and lamely explained to the New York Times that scientists often use the word trick to refer to a good way to solve a problem. Yeah, well, this certainly was a good way to solve their problem, eh? Since they're all getting paid to bring up the, the, the warming idea. It says, though the liberal New York newspaper apparently buys this explanation, we have seen no benign explanation that justifies efforts by researchers to skew data on so-called global warming to hide the decline. Given the controversies over the accuracy of Mr. Mann's past research, it's surprising his current explanations are accepted so readily. Because they've all got quite a history, these characters. You know, they're not top-rated after all, but they're, they're certainly open to the top buyer. <laughs> That's for sure. That's for sure. And as I said before, if you're up to rise in the snow, it won't make any difference because they'll keep going with this global warming mantra until they've got everything signed into binding, what they call binding agreements, up to rules for the next thousand years. And this article here is from the BBC. Now, apparently the BBC, what I've been told is they had this info given to them by the, the hacker for a month and didn't uh, do anything with it, which isn't surprising because the BBC, you see, is owned by the British government. It's an arm of British uh, governmental policy. It's a propaganda arm, in other words. And this is from the 24th of November, 2009. It says, global warming science alarming, say climate experts. So here they go again on the 24th the day, you know, a few days after all the con men were discovered and exposed for what they are. It's as though it never happened. And remember, too, what they said. 
that from the IPCC, they tell all their members and all their, their pals, their, their fellow travelers, as you call them, those in sympathy with them, to go along um, and hype everything up when it comes to major agreements being signed. So this is what they're doing. Global warming science is alarming, say climate experts. Three UK groups studying climate change have issued an unprecedented statement about the dangers of failing to cut emissions of greenhouse gases. And the whole rest of it is yadi 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 ya rubbish. But the Royal Society, this Freemasonic organization of scientists, that's how it was founded. It's a Freemasonic scientific organization, very elite. Well, nothing's changed, by the way. Any famous scientist in history that was pushed to the top all came through, they came through the Royal Society. So they're the ones who are pushing this baloney because it's, it's part of the big, big agenda, you see. You should look at the history of the Royal Society because literally Bacon talks about it, Francis Bacon and other ones. They had to get, if they were married, they had to put their wife uh, out of their lives and actually give a, a lump sum to their family and leave them. You had to live like a monk and be one of them to get in. It wasn't until the, the 20th century that they allowed their first female in. Even then it was under protest. Because it's, it's literally a Masonic-type organization with a charter to exist from the crown, of course, this British crown. But uh, as I say, if you want to read some rubbish... You can read the kind of fear that they're churning out right now in preparation uh, of the, the Copenhagen Agreement coming up very, very shortly in December. And believe you me, there'll be a lot more parroting articles out there at the same time. Say, we've got to go along to save the world and to save the life and blah, blah, blah. Hype it up, hype it up. Once it's done and it's all signed, just like 9-11, it, it, it sort of fades away. Once, once they'd attacked uh, Afghanistan and Iraq... It, it kind of calmed down again, you see. Because what they wanted was to get in there and grab the oil and, and control the entire uh, Middle East. Same thing with once this uh, is, is pushed through, we'll gradually see the policies introduced, maybe not so gradually, in fact. And use, if you think you're poor now, if you think you're getting poor now and your standard of living is dropping and everything's becoming very expensive, you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I can remember Malachi Martin talking about the New World Order in the 1990s. And this guy wasn't liked by anybody. He came out against even what the Catholic Church had done, and he had been a priest. He came out against everybody, basically, that was going along with this new system. He recognized what it was and knew what it was. And he said in one of his talks, he says, for the Americans and the Canadians, he says, um, get ready for the New World Order because you've seen the best of your young American lives meaning it's over. He knew the whole agenda. So we're on a roll, on a roll into, if you think it's crazy now as well, and that things make no sense to you as to what you're hearing, you'll literally be living in banana land once all these laws are passed. Because under the guise, this is how it works, under the guise of emitting carbon, what they really mean is energy consumption. Right down to how many joules of energy it takes to create, say, uh, that teething uh, comforter that the child, the baby has. And you'll have to pay extra 
on top of everything else and all the other taxes for that item for it being made you see because I've got this strange again this fantastic trick of converting every energy unit consumed into carbon an absolute trick of the imagination and boy by God you need a lot of imagination to believe in this chronology double speak is here double think is here you begin to quadruple think you'll have four opposing opinions in your head about the same topic at the same time and you'll think they're all correct that's where it will come down to now it's the same too with this this, uh, vaccine stuff for the last month or so uh, the marketers and these do have marketers working for the governments of the world marketing companies are putting out the usual hype it's like it's like sales they'll say buy now before we're out of stock well it's the same thing now Uh, rush and get your flu shot uh, because they're going to be hard to get it's the same trick that they've used in selling things that they're using to get folks stampeding off to roll up their sleeves and get jabbed with this poison it says here and this is from uh, msn.ca this is the batch of H1N1 vaccine pools. They're really covering their, their behinds here. It says, as this is from the Canadian Press in the cbc.ca, uh, 19th of November, health officials across Canada are being asked to hold back a batch of swine flu vaccine that appears to be causing higher rates of severe allergic reactions. The vaccine's manufacturer, GlaxoSmithKline, is asking governments to stop using vaccine doses from one particular lot shipment issued in late October. It's more than one lot, you believe that. The company says it's a cautionary move pending an investigation. In other words, don't worry about it. And it says, um, Manitoba health officials say they've noticed severe allergic reactions from the batch in question at a rate of 1 in 20,000. Again, I'll be underestimating it vastly. That's much higher than the normal rate of one in a hundred thousand. It's a pity if you're the one in a hundred thousands that's got the wrong genes that don't fit into their, their mass inoculation program, eh? It's tough luck. When you're crippled, it's tough luck. The Alberta government is also holding back the same batch of vaccine, though it says it's not seen a jump in allergic reactions. Manitoba's chief medical officer of health, Dr. Joel Kettner, says he wants to assure people that the risk of any adverse effects from the vaccine is very low. What they're getting is anaphylactic shock. You know, that's when you drop uh, on the floor after getting it. And uh, you're going to go into cardiac arrest, and you have to use defibrillators to bring you back into the land of, if they call this the living, that's where you end up back in, hopefully. So this is what they're calling severe allergic reactions. Isn't it amazing how, how these scientists uh, and these, these characters will downplay everything or boost up the, bull, the BS? They'll boost up BS and downplay uh, the, the nasty reactions. Same thing as these global warming scammers. Remember what Bertrand Russell said? It says, uh, if there is to be a tyranny running the world, a tyranny, not a democracy, and that's what they all agreed on at the top, that it's post-democratic, that's what governance means. And then Russell said, then I'd rather be in a, a, a scientific tyranny. He said it would be awful, awful, but he said that's the one that he would approve of if there had to be one. And that's what we're under already, where statistics will be thrown at you and, and 
fact or common sense are out the window, the statistics matter. It doesn't matter if they're bogus or not. And your whole life, real life, will have to be uh, twisted around to fit into the statistics. Con after con after con is quite something. But we're, we're definitely on the roll to the big, uh, the big global new world order. The real one, the one that people have been talking about for years and years and years. Not the mini ones along the way, but the really big one at the top. And remember, this is quite true what uh, Lord Moncton said. Out of this Copenhagen Treaty is to come literally the whole structure for world government. And everything will go through this amazing communistic body called the United Nations. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, they're, co- they're totally communistic in their approach to everything. The world, nations, peoples, completely communistic. And once again, uh, they have no real value, no real value on life. You should see these big camps they've had across the world, supposedly for people who are coming out of war-torn areas or catastrophe areas, and that they're all kept in these particular areas. They can't move out of these particular areas year after year after year after year, and the UN is supposedly feeding them these, these terrible uh, rations. And the death rate is incredible year after year after year. You are see, we're living through eugenics at work. That's what we're living through. And there's an awful lot more still to come eugenics at work that's what the name of the game is the League of Nations and the United Nations weren't started up by ordinary people they were started up by an already existing wealthy incredibly wealthy elite and the guys who basically took the credit for founding it the whole idea for the League of Nations that became the United Nations was the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They are the ones who brought it forward. And President Wilson of the U.S. was just the front man for Colonel Mandel House. And Mandel House got his instructions from the, the Royal Institute of International Affairs member, uh, Lord Grey. That was a go-between. And everything that Mandel House told Wilson, Wilson did. A little front puppet. That's all he was. And so the richest guys on the planet dreamt up this whole idea of world government and the kind of world government, not the sort of naturally evolving one that might have happened if it was left to its its own devices, uh, but really an ordered dictatorial world government where you'll simply do as you're told from the day you're born. And they will decide at a very early age what you're going to do, what you're going to work at to serve the world system. Your purpose will be to serve the world system. That will be your, their only reason for living, in fact. And where do they get all this idea from? It's the same as international communism. It's exactly the same. That's why Carl Quigley said they're often mistaken for communists because they're the same agenda. Well, if they've got the same agenda... Does it mean that it is the same agenda? That's what it is. It's the same agenda. They funded communism into existence. Look at the guys who funded the Bolshevik Revolution. The big world bankers in New York, Baruch and all these guys. 
they funded communism. Why would they fund communism? The top capitalists funding communism. People just can't figure that one out. Well, the top capitalists, you see, have always had a problem ensuring they get paid from countries that lose in wars. And one of the first things they wanted at the League of Nations and then into the United Nations was a court of international settlement to guarantee that any loans they put out to get the wars going uh, would be paid back in full by the winners and the losers. And then they, through the International Monetary Fund, would be uh, in charge of countries' treasuries during times when those countries failed or had a hard time paying them back for all their loans. That's what the IMF is for. The U.S. don't even know it yet. They've had the IMF in already running a lot of their policies for the last few years. Britain had it when Margaret Thatcher was in. They run your policies, your political policies, your taxation rates. They came up with new types of taxes and decide where the taxes are going. And it's not back into the people. It's out of the country. That's what it's about. But what a fantastic front for a change. See, they tried the, the, the old uh, tricks of ideology. Serve the communist system. That didn't work too well with most people, especially when the news of what communism was really like came out. So they came up with, oh, people might believe science. Science is a new god, you see. It deals with facts and figures. And, and if we teach people that scientists are infallible, when they come forward with these theories, they'll believe the scientists. And that's what they've done. Thousands and thousands of paid-off, fat, bloating, political scientists. That's what it's all about. Back with more after this break. through the matrix and we've got uh, Sam from Sydney, Australia on the line near there, Sam Hey Alan, how are you? I'm hanging in here, yeah Mate, uh, it's just amazing what's ha been happening with these uh, emails and uh, what I'm most gobsmacked about is how the, uh, the media, the mainstream media has actually been handling it um, mm -hmm. Sydney Morning Herald, case in point, Sydney Morning Herald today, with all this, um, the, the, you'd think that this would be a bombshell. They've been yes. fudging the scientific re results. Anyone that's actually had a look at the emails knows that it's not just one word. It's not just the use of the word trick. These guys have been going out as a pack, as a gang, yep. silencing other critics, shutting down debate, um, fixing the, the, the scales in their advantage so that, you know, they can go out and use the word peer reviewed, but, mm -hmm. It's reviewed by themselves. Exactly. It's, 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 a, it's a gang, as you say. It's a gang, and, and they use the old tactics, as you say, of shutting down uh, debates. They've tried to say that the, the debate is closed. There's no more uh, dissension. And thousands of scientists are locked out of this, this argument. Uh, so it's a totalitarian regime. Just, yeah. just as a citizen, I mean, for all these years, just basically being told to shut up, that the debate yeah. is over, and now mm -hmm. we realise... Why? Of course, the debate why. And the public, unfortunately, the public have no idea the outcome if they get their way at Copenhagen. They really have no idea 
of the hell that's going to come down, you know. That's right. And so the Sydney Morning Herald today, rather than even having an article about this, puts out their article is Planet Approaching Point of No Return, Experts Mourn. And who, the, who do they cite? The IPCC. Yes. It's just, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, the, the, guys, the, the gang that's just been exposed, yeah. That's right. So they've just been exposed. This is dodgy. Everything should be put on hold. They should just go, oh, well, hang on. Maybe, maybe we've got our data wrong. Maybe, you know, all these calls to actually have a look at the data, mm-hmm. maybe the debate isn't over. Maybe we should actually have a debate before we actually change the entire, you know, the entire fabric of the planet. Yep. No. They're just, they're just going to go ahead. It's going to go ahead. I, 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 for some reason, I think it's a done deal. Oh, it's a done deal. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it would take a, literally, it would take. I don't care if God Himself came down and said it's all bogus. Uh, these guys are still going to go ahead with it because they've put, they've staked everything on it—a whole new economy, a whole new way of living. They've already been trading uh, carbon uh, credits at the top for the last four or five years. You know. What gets me is just you know when you speak to people about this, that they they say, well, you know, even if it's wrong, I mean, obviously, don't don't you support a better planet? Don't you support a, a cleaner environment? Yeah, yeah. You know, don't you support the third world? It it, it just boggles the mind. It's it's kind of like, well, don't you support the truth? Don't you yes. think that you know maybe we should actually stop meddling in the third world? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're 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 in the position they're they're in because we've meddled so much. Now, why don't we just try leaving them alone? Why don't we just try not having, you know, not supporting, you know, supplying arms to them? Why don't we just try actually, you know, mm-hmm. paying them the fair amount of money, that, you know, to grow their crops or whatever? Why not? Why, why, don't, why don't we just stop exploiting them? Why do we always have to like control, ha- have a say and control what they what they do? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the reason is, I, see, the real re- reason is at the United Nations they want to have control over the entire world, including these countries, and they want those countries to be totally dependent on all the, 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 the uh, imported uh, chemicals for their business, uh, agribusiness and so on. In fact, they want the agribusinesses that exist in the West to, to take over the ones in the third world countries. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for calling. Uh, from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your, God, your gods go with you.